0: from the author of the book by the same name it's the best Saturdays of our lives podcast with Mark McCrae welcome everyone to the best Saturdays of our lives podcast and welcome to the Saturday morning music renaissance mark will be our history teacher today walking us through this this vibrant period in Saturday morning History. How you doing, Mark?
1: I'm doing awesome. I love music, and I'm really looking forward to talking about all the awesome music and animation and Saturday morning.
0: So, for me, as a kid, going back through all of the old reruns and whatnot, one of the uh, shows that stood out uh, from that era would be Alvin and the Chipmunks, and and I don't mean the, you know the the NBC Channel Four you know super pseudo mtv stylized chipmunks i'm talking about uh oh my gosh like i remember the christmas episode uh and the line i remember is and me i want a hula hoop like those Alvin know. and the Chipmunks, like the OG Got ones, yeah? yeah?
1: Yeah, 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 the Alvin show, yeah. Um, it was a uh, musical animated primetime series. It was a, a pretty big deal with uh, pretty high production values. The show was a natural fit for television since Alvin and the Chipmunks, you know, had a couple of uh more than a couple of hit records out and so it was just natural that these characters would appear in their own animated series. Right. I sorta of remember this as a kid and I, I think um one of the cable networks started to rerun it. Then I started watching it as an adult and I was just like, wow, I said this is a pretty cool show. Like, how did I miss this? You know, right but again, right. <laughs> you know, one of the things that always comes up in our, uh, you know, the best Saturdays of our lives podcast is that as a kid, I didn't always have control of the television set. Nope, and nope. and if Alvin and the Chipmunks or the Alvin show was on in prime time, I'm pretty sure my parents were not watching an animated series in prime time. They were going to watch whatever else. Was available. Yeah, it's
0: like, damn it, kid! You had your cartoons today, okay? It's, it's, right, it's, right. It's it's no no more. I, I didn't, you're like, but hey, it's for it's for families. It's it's for all. It's for general audience. And they're like, no, nah, 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 I'm not trying to hear that. I'm not trying to right, hear that
1: exactly. Well. <laughs> That's probably the conversation that went on in my parents' heads, but <laughs> right. there was no conversation. Oh no. I, remember, <laughs> no. I, I remember my brother saying that, uh, my older brother, I have three brothers, and my brother Daryl said that uh he was watching TV one day, and my dad just came in and switched the channel and didn't say anything, <laughs> and, and that was the end of that, you oh, know? It was right. like, you know, it's my house, it's my TV, I'm going to watch it, and I don't have to give you kids any explanations. That's right. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so that's why I love Saturday morning was because no one cared. It wasn't a fight to watch anything.
0: It was an understanding. It was, it was like, it was, it was this, uh, this social contract you had with your kids, you know, you get, you get four plus hours of uninterrupted cartoons on Saturday mornings. And that's. And that's it.
1: And speaking of which, you know, the Alvin show was in prime time, but the ratings were not as wonderful as they should have been. And the series was later, you know, moved to Saturday morning because in the early sixties, Saturday morning was like this dumping ground for a lot of the prime time cartoons that couldn't, right. you know, make it in prime in right. prime time. So, you know, contracts had to be uh, honored and Alvin ended up on Saturday morning and uh, another Saturday morning staple was the Beatles cartoon.
0: Yeah. Now, this is pretty wild. This is wild because I I don't think a lot of people realize the Beatles had a cartoon. (laughs) I mean, there's Yellow Submarine. That's another story. Uh, Right. (laughs) But uh, but you may not have heard this story. Mark, tell us about the, uh, the 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 wackiness of 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 that.
1: Well, the cartoon was produced by a guy named Al Brodox, and uh, he produced a lot of the made-for-TV Popeye cartoons. Right. And the Beatles did really great in the ratings. I mean, by the 1965 season, the Beatles was the number one overall Saturday morning show, and helped ABC, right? You know, keep its uh, leadership, right? In, in in terms of the ratings race,
0: because that's one of the that's one of the few places ABC was actually shining back then.
1: Right, right, exactly. Um, wasn't doing that great in primetime, which is why they were, you know, trying out primetime cartoons like the Flintstones right. and the Jetsons to give viewers, um, something different at night. The, um, the Beatles animated series was uh, a pretty big deal. And, uh, the, and it was definitely part of Saturday morning. And there was also, um, what I call the Beatles knockoff, uh, Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles. Which uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty hard. That's a pretty hard
0: left turn as a knockoff from the Beatles.
1: (laughs) Well, the Frankenstein part was not. uh, Well, technically, it wasn't a knockoff of of the Beatles. But Uh, they
0: were they were both jamming, though. Right. they were both dropping, dropping those those pop tones. the, The Beatles, did that show actually have like play Beatles music? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. They played Beatles music. Weren't, weren't the Beatles themselves, though, vo- uh, the voiceover work? Uh, would, definitely was not the Beatles, but they were given, like, Brooklyn accents?
1: From what I understand, the accents sounded more like New York or Brooklyn accents as opposed to, you know, like British like accents. Liverpool. And, uh, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. Um <laughs> Folks, don't quote me on that as something I heard, okay? I haven't seen the Beatles okay, cartoon yeah. in a long time. Hey, everybody so. hit us
0: up. Hit us up. Let <laughs> us know. Uh, why don't you go out there? We'll leave the, some of the research. You know, we, I think we've been around long enough, Mark. We feel comfortable making the show a little interactive. Right. Uh, go ahead and go out there. Find that. Uh, send us an audio clip or tell us just how, how wrong we are. Uh, how would people reach out to us, Mark, by the way? Uh, is there an email? What, what's, 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 what's the email for your, your book?
1: Mark McCray, 072 at gmail.com. Yeah, there it is. That'd be the best way to hit me up for a question or to confirm a rumor. You know, if the Beatles cartoon did or did not have New York York accents. (laughs) New York accents. Wild. Wild. Yeah. Back to Frankenstein Jr. and the impossible. So Frankenstein Jr. was a superhero robot that was sort of based on Gigantor, which was another superhero robot. And he looked like the Frankenstein monster and he was controlled by a kid. But the other part of the show was the (laughs) was the Impossibles, which were they were a rock band that had the Beach Boy sound, pop sound. And, you know, with a little bit of the Beatles sound mixed in as well. And the Impossible rock group would transform themselves into the Impossibles superhero group. And even though they looked exactly like their singing counterparts, people never put two and two together, you <laughs> know, because it is a Saturday morning show. But uh,
0: it's almost like the original it's, you know, it's the original Miley Cyrus premise.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, or or Jim, you know, oh, yeah. um, right. Jerrica Benton, you know, well, we'll, we'll talk about Jim. Spoilers,
0: little everybody. Yeah, no, Jim, you're, you're going to be getting a whole lot of Jim later on.
1: Right. But, you know, the dual identity and the rock group thing was definitely part of the fun with the Impossibles. And the songs were not that long. They usually had like maybe two lines of lyrics that would be repeated over and over again, but they were catchy and you wanted more, but you know, the cartoon really wanted to emphasize the superhero action of the impossibles. Right. uh, The show did decently in the ratings of Frankenstein jr. And the impossibles. And then, uh, technically not a Saturday morning show. Uh, the Flintstones, They had musical uh,
0: guests. They would have people would come on like, uh, uh, and Margaret or Bobby Darren uh, who right. would otherwise be what and uh, and Margrock and rock yeah <laughs> right.
1: and um, and they had the 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 Bob who right. had a, right. a, a a big hit called laugh laugh that was a huge hit for them and they also had people that weren't necessarily rock legends like uh Hokey Carmichael who had been around uh, since the 1940s you know uh, he was right. a piano player And uh, he contributed his musical stylings uh, to the Flintstones. And there was also a Pebbles and Bam Bam episode where they became rock stars as well, singing this song, um, Let the Sunshine In. Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. That was such a bizarre episode because otherwise, you know, Pebbles and Bam Bam were were mute babies right right. <laughs> but here all of a sudden now they're uh these uh these little pop legends well great it was a great song
1: it was a great song it was a great song and uh it all turned out to be a dream that Fred. yeah Shinsone that's right had. that's right yeah so that's right. uh you know but uh that was one of my favorites
0: what was that, was that one other of... one uh uh i'm forgetting the twist twist
1: Oh, uh, um, I think the character's name, I believe his name was Rock Roll. Right. And I really believe that he was supposed to be a knockoff of, uh, uh, what is the dude? He was a guitar player and he would, you know, do like this kind of cool bounce across the stage. Chuck Berry? Chuck Berry, mm. right. He did the Chuck Berry bounce. I'm not exactly sure why they wouldn't use Chuck Berry's likeness because they were using legitimate, you know, rock and roll stars for everything else. For whatever reason, they decided not to, and they used a character called Rock Roll, who who definitely did the Chuck Berry cool dance across the right the stage and you know he sang a song that is so memorable you know there's a place i know where the people go called bedrock Twist, twist (laughs) twist my kids surprised me one time i was just singing that song in the kitchen one day while i was cooking and both my sons chimed in and said twist twist (laughs) (laughs) nice and i was like totally surprised i said i guess i played that episode a lot for you guys huh yeah right you're raising them right
0: you're raising that's that's you know there's those moments within your children's development where every once in a while they just uh they validate they validate everything right. that, that, you, that you've done <laughs> as a parent. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: The Flintstones had a lot of great musical moments um on the series, but technically it was not a Saturday morning show. Right. But when I first started working uh for the Boomerang Network, we did an entire day of musical Flintstone episodes because nice. there's, there's, there's a bunch of them, you know? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And absolutely. some have, right? And some have musical stars. and. Some do not, but uh,
0: that was the trend. That was the trend in uh, '60s television, '60s primetime television. Guest right. star of the week. Uh, let's 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 get some some contemporary music in there. You know, right. Uh, right. Guest. You know, the, the, the Flintstones were very much very much cut cut from that cloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah, for sure. We will have to do sure. a whole episode on just uh, Flintstone guest appearances.
1: Right. And, uh, a little known fact, um, Hanna Barbera was also working on a Beach Boys animated series. Well, um, yeah, one of my colleagues at Cartoon Network told me that they ran into some HB animator and mm-hmm. they said that there was like, uh, they did a full presentation. Uh, for uh, proposed Hardy Boys, at Hardy Boys. Up, oh, jumping the gun again. We all going to talk about the Hardy Boys cartoon <laughs> a little late in the podcast we'll of, of of the Beach Boys, and I was like, "Wow, I never heard that before."
0: You know, that's uh, that's you know that. Oh my gosh! All right, so so to run with that, uh, and and snapping back to nineteen uh, sixty eight. Outside of these shows that we've mentioned, superheroes were, were were dominating Saturday morning cartoons. You say that a Beach Boys show is in development. That Beach Boys show, we could be living in an entirely different... I think there's an alternate universe where they actually did develop that. And things may have gone the same yet differently. Uh, oh. Because th- there was a show, a musical show, that changed the entire landscape.
1: Yeah, the and that show was the the Archie show. The Archies, uh, which right. premiered in uh the fall of 1968. Right. And uh I feel like it was the right show at the right time.
0: Rock and roll was reaching its one of its first like zeniths. It was the 60s man, you know, uh sex drugs rock and roll, Vietnam. Right. You know, tune you know, in, turn on, drop out and such. Right.
1: I- exactly. So Like I mentioned earlier, the Beatles was like the number one show from 1965, but then the new adventures of Superman came in in 1966 and sort of stole the Beatles, you know, number one rating crown. Wow. Superman,
0: Superman beat up on the Beatles. I know. Superman versus the Beatles. I want to, I want (laughs) to say DC if you're listening. That's free. That's
1: free money right there. You're welcome. Uh, But then, you know, it was sort of payback time because then, uh, the Archie show pushed Superman off a of Saturday morning. The Archies was getting huge ratings, bigger ratings than any superhero series had ever gotten. Right. And, of course, once that happened, all the network executives at the Big Three Networks, uh, Fox wasn't around yet, folks, uh, yeah, decided decided, <laughs> decided superheroes are out and rock and roll bands are in. Yep. Archie sent Superman packing off of Saturday morning television. Yeah, bye, so Superman. Enough- Yeah, that's another headline.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah, go read the Daily Planet all about it. Yeah, so now we live in a world of the Archies.
1: Right. You know? Right. Yeah, so the Archies just sort of blows up. They had a really good relationship with uh, music producer Don Kirshner, who was a huge music uh, producer back in the day. He was the gentleman uh, behind, you know, the Monkees Band. And uh, a lot of other musical acts, and he had some of the best songwriters and people working for him.
0: It's fascinating that this cartoon went in with a, a seasoned pop music producer who has shown results. I mean, the monkeys, you know, the monkeys were, were awesome if you're a monkeys fan. They were a product. They were a construct. You know, and, and that's just that's just a fact. It wasn't like four guys in a garage and a dream. They were a studio band that was assembled. So th- this this guy's chops would have been top notch in terms of putting out music that's going to sell. And that's who they brought in. They really kind of went for it with the Archies, didn't they? They knew what they were doing.
1: Yeah, they did. They did. And I think because the Monkees also at some point in their careers wanted to actually start writing and producing their own music and they
0: did they did go check out the album hair it's 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 interesting
1: i think for don Krishna, it's like okay we can do a tv rock band and complete creative control and there won't be any you know uh what's the word i'm looking for
0: talent (laughs) they don't have to worry about the talent getting lippy yeah.
1: you know, <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So uh, it worked out really good. And then, of course, the Archie sort of got lucky because a DJ decided to play the Sugar Sugar became a big hit. You know, I mean, thanks to the one DJ, other DJ started playing the song and it became a number one song around the country that led to primetime specials that featured the archies well let's uh
0: let's let's talk about that dj so so and then you know something that had never happened with these saturday morning cartoon uh at least the majority of them these these songs right the archies ended up making a grab for legitimacy
1: exactly because a lot of djs a lot of radio djs back in the day they resisted playing any type of animation rock band because they felt that those bands were not real. And even if they thought the music was good. That's kid junk. Yeah, it's it's, right. It's for kids. You know, it's not anything that they are interested in. So this was a pretty big moment for an animation band. I mean, you can go back, you can go all the way back to the Alvin show where Ross uh who created Alvin and the Chipmunks. I mean, he was already a, a record musician and producer right and so he went the other way he put the records on the air first and then the cartoon came. no it was
0: i was gonna say yeah the, the the chipmunks uh did this backwards
1: right and and it was a little easier but like if you had the cartoon first and then the music came after right it was a little harder to to get any type of radio to
0: play. get that cred to get that radio play
1: right which is what everyone wanted and as a result of the archie's success the other competing studios had to step up.
0: Now it's an arms race. It's a rock and roll arms race.
1: Yep, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And so the Archie, Sugar Sugar, charted a couple of their other titles, charted as well, uh, Bang Lang. Then um, uh, Hot Wheels premiered the following year in uh, 1969, and they worked with a record producer named Mike Curb.
0: And you're saying this guy's responsible for right. getting a a track on the airwaves that was titled Hot Wheels? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. How? I mean, that's, and, that's 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 kind of a that, that's that kind of sounds like some like bizarro backwards world kind oh, of. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> Hot, I know. Hot Wheels
1: the album, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and what's even more amazing. The Hot Wheels cartoon itself didn't feature any of this music at all. Are you serious? No. (laughs) You know, because I have a chart in my book that has all of the Saturday morning musical bands. And I kept going back and forth debating on whether I should include Hot Wheels or not. Right, right. So I watched a couple of episodes. and I'm like, okay, no music. But then there was this album. So I was just a little confused. But sometimes producers make a decision. You know what? We don't want music in the show, but we'll do something, you know, supplemental. And uh Mike Kerb was also writing music for the uh the Cattanooga Cats, right, which also ran on A B C in nineteen sixty nine, right along with the Hardy Boys, which was a revamped rock group. Uh they still solve mysteries, but now they were a rock
0: group. Now they're rock and roll, yeah. The Hardy you know. Boys band, it's it's back when that was like the apex of cool.
1: Right. And and they put out two really great albums. Recently, um, thanks to the power of Facebook and people just being fans, uh I found out that the Hardy Boys music is now available on Spotify. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that's that, cool. That's pretty cool. You know, took <laughs> took, you know, over forty years, but now the Hardy Boys are legit. Yeah, right. And so uh, you know, the uh, music renaissance is rolling on. Every all the major Saturday morning studios are now in the music business, and you know, Rank and Bass. They used the Jackson Five and right. the Osmond Brothers, which I thought was brilliant as yep. well. It's like, well, these guys got legitimate hits out. Right. I'm pretty sure. The uh, cartoons would do well, and uh, the Jackson 5 cartoon did really well in the ratings, although uh, a documentary I was watching um, about the Jackson 5 making their transition to Motown, to CBS Records, the cartoon almost killed the deal. Really? Because the executives at CBS didn't think that they were a legitimate group because they had a cartoon.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This dude didn't have kids? This guy didn't play the radio? This guy didn't know... The ja- Look, what's... Okay, <laughs> let, here's my take on This guy, this guy lived like, in a
1: cave? I, I didn't get it at all. It's like because they had a cartoon, you weren't taking them seriously. But what about their track record? What about the amount of records they sold for Jeez. Motown? That's what you should have been looking at. Oh, Forget God. about the fact that there was a cartoon series. The last album that they put out, musically and vocally speaking, it was like some of their best work. Right. And I would have said to whoever was making the negotiation, you need to listen to this. Forget about, you know, the, the stuff that they did when they first came out as a, as a group, you know, and and I love all of that as well. But like right before they made that change from Motown to CBS, the music and the vocals that, that were turning out on their albums were just really just like superb, just wonderful.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. We could go on about the Jackson Five all day. <laughs> yeah. The animated Jackson's.
1: Yeah. I really, I really, I really, uh, the show was really funny. I have the DVD and it, and it still holds up. And it's, it was a, a musical gem and that. Rankin Bass open for the Jackson 5 cartoon is like one of the best opens from the 70s. It just has so much energy. All that color hitting your eyeballs at once. I know. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) They threw everything with the kitchen sink to do that. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I I
0: mean, they they could have done any, if they're going to do more, it would have to be 3D. It would have to be in 3D. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You You know, I mean,
1: you know, for Rankin Bass, it was a very high profile project, but you know, I also think from a creative standpoint, they wanted to do a really good job with these guys. You know, in the early 70s, the Jackson 5 was just this this really beloved musical band. And and when that cartoon came out, forget about it. It was just, uh, you know, I just feel like they did a really good job with that series. Right. This trend starts around 1968 and and ends around 1978. With, uh, with the Bay City Rollers uh, sort of closing out the era uh, as the stars, as the Croft Superstar Hour. Sid and Marty and, Croft. Sid and Marty Croft yeah.
0: themselves have been around forever yeah, at this yeah. point. uh, right. they, they, uh and, 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 you know, they were heavyweights in the, a lot of the music stuff that they did. But, yeah, when they brought in the Bay City Rollers. 1978, mm-hmm. year I was born. Wow. Yeah.
1: Cool. That's cool, and you know, I, I think it was smart of Sid and Marty Croft to use a real rock and roll band like right. the Bay City Rollers. That's, that's you know, legit. it's like, well, why why make up a band? We might as well just use our own.
0: Built in legitimacy, the synergy. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's business right there. That's yeah. Right. Sid and Marty Croft. You'll you'll we'll be right. getting back to them one day. I got to say, yeah, yeah, yeah no, Bay, Bay City Rollers, Sid and Marty Croft. Uh, they should send us both. They should both send us thank you notes for the amount of time mm-hmm. we gave them. <laughs>
1: Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the big bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday mornings, last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Then um, uh, Hot Wheels premiered the following year in uh, 1969, and they worked with a record producer named Mike Curb, who was an up-and-coming musician. Wait
0: a minute! Did you say Mike Curb, as in the Mike he- Curb Congregation? Yeah! Man. Oh, oh my those God! Guys. My dad was friends with that dude. They what? Did, they did, and they did the song for Kelly's Heroes. I, I just—I was blasting that song. Yeah, that's one of my favorite all-time songs. Oh, uh, wow. Burning bridges. Wow. You know, bur- bur- all the burning bridges that have... Yeah. All- yeah, dude, the Mike Curb congregation. You're the third oh, human my- being I've ever... Other than my father, who's like, boom, yeah, Mike Curb.
1: Well, Damn. let me tell you, Mike Curb has an awesome website. And I wish that website had been around when I was writing my book, because there's a lot of really awesome, great information in that website. Damn. And Mike Curb worked with everybody. He worked with everyone, and his influence over the music industry is, is just ex- ex- expansive. I'll be damned. um You know, he worked with Sammy Davis Jr. on um, the Candyman song. Oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. this was a huge hit. But uh the Hot Wheels cartoon album was the, you know, outside of the Archies and Filmation's other hit uh, with the Groovy Ghoulies, Chickaboom. Those were the only three that actually charted. And I'm not surprised now because Mike Kerb was such a prolific or still is, you know, a prolific singer, songwriter, producer, all of that. Just a uh, pretty amazing person.
0: I'm gonna check him out. Yeah, see, see what he's yeah. up to these days, right? Write him an email.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Um I'll send you the link to his uh his website. Awesome, it's, awesome. It's, it's just really great. But uh yeah, Mike Kerb, I just feel like He's such a fascinating dude. I could have wrote a, a book just about him my alone. Mike Curb.
0: Mike yeah. yeah, my dad was the guy who used to roll around Torrance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my dad was friends with him. I mean, I don't, I don't wow. think they were super close, but mm-hmm. uh, certainly close enough. I think Mike right. Curb has a connection to, or at least uh, his congregation had a connection right. to Torrance High School. Or no, it was, what What high school was it? It was um, Rolling Hills. Rolling Hills. Rolling Hills okay. High School. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's cool! Uh, and and that this is this. Cool. Hey, everybody out there, this is totally unscripted. As in, <laughs> you know, Mark Mark does these exhaustive notes uh, before we we do these these shows. Uh, and, and a little side note: when we're done, we actually uh, email them to Library of Congress. You know, go, you can go check them out. Um, uh, and it's right here in front of me. And I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together until you said, you know, Mike curb. And I, yesterday I was blasting the Kelly's heroes that, that, that track from Kelly's heroes yesterday. Oh, that is so
1: funny. Um, well, yeah. I guess it's, uh, um, and the other thing to people is that, you know, when I send Dan a note, like we'll talk about the notes and we'll both contribute like in, in terms of what should be in the episode but you sometimes what happens i'm like oh yeah there's that other thing you know and so mike curb was something i put in right afterwards that i didn't discuss with dan but i figured we'll just talk about it little did i know that uh you know he actually had a connection boom to the man
0: that's right yeah that's right yeah yeah uncle mike or uncle mike you know uh known as uh known known as kirby to his uh his 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 bros yeah, yeah, Mike that,
1: that is so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, right on. Yeah. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic
0: books. Video games. Conventions.
1: Yeah, nerd junk.
0: And social commentary.
1: It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place.
0: Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms forms
1: the musical the Saturday morning musical uh, renaissance ends pretty much in 1978 with the Bay City Rollers who closed out the era at appearing and being the headliners for the Croft Superstar Hour in 1978 which uh, ran on the NBC network and so that was like the last really big musical rock and roll show on right the on Saturday morning.
0: I mean the whole the whole the whole world was just going to disco at that point.
1: Oh right, right. Which uh <laughs> uh interestingly enough the disco era never had any influences on Saturday I was gonna because... say,
0: because they could have kept this whole music jam going on Saturday mornings right. if they just decided to you know, gets you, you add, add like a drum machine in there or something.
1: Sometimes the music kinda crept in and some of the background music, like uh on Jose and the Pussycats and Out of Space, you sure. can hear a little bit of that wah wah that right, you know right, right, right. that you would hear on, on a in a shaft song or Exactly.
0: Yeah, or like like a like a like a violin but like swinging violin. Like we can right. we can dance and make love to that that to that string section right there
1: yeah but i think because disco was always associated with being very adult
0: right um right a
1: lot of the saturday morning mu- musicians just stayed away from it right and and the studio stayed away from it too God, yeah,
0: how everything how, how strange everything changes yeah everybody back when, back when disco was dangerous <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah really right. something
0: so go ahead and join us next week because we're going to the 80s, baby. We're going full throttle. We've got gem coming at you. We're going to dive deep into the MTV era. Uh, mark, um, you know, if, if, if I could ask just one thing, uh, it would be to have you acknowledge on air that uh, you are both proud and appreciative of my Jackson 5 t-shirt.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Now, you... And not only, not only am I proud and appreciative that you have a Jackson 5 t-shirt, now I'm mad that I don't have one. Oh, and oh, oh, oh. up,
0: Upstaging the boss.
1: So, right. <laughs> so, you know, I have to go on the internet and search for one, you know, might be bootleg, but I have to get one.
0: Mine's bootleg. Mine's bootleg all day. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's awesome that you have a Jackson 5 animated cartoon t-shirt.
0: <laughs> well, thank yeah. you
1: kudos to you man (laughs) you know I I can't hate I gotta appreciate (laughs) that's right right.
0: (laughs) for Mark McCray, I'm Dan Klink thank you for joining us here on the best Saturdays of our lives podcast and make sure to tune in next time for part
1: two of Saturday Morning Musical Renaissance The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off.